0: Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgis, and I am here, as usual, with Father Stephen Gautier. Welcome back, Father Stephen.
1: Great to be back, Alex. And now on our weekly format.
0: That's right. It's 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 we're we're back. Uh, Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stephen, today let's talk about pre- preparing for Christian marriage. Now, we have talked about the Christian view of marriage before, uh, and we've talked about how it is a, our view is that it is a sacrament, that uh, it is something that God does, but that the valid minister of that sacrament is is the man and the wife. Uh, so people marry each other. We, as priests, do not marry them per se, uh, even though that's how we put it. So maybe we could talk a little bit, though, it, but if, if, if someone was to come up to one of us, especially in our diocese, to ask, say, hey, we want to get married, um, it's not as simple as just me or you saying, uh, well, okay, uh, great. It's you You guys are marrying each other, so let's just do it tomorrow, right? Um, there's No, no, we can't <laughs> do that. There's a bit more to it than that. So first of all, we, we'll, we'll describe the process uh, in a minute, but first let's talk about the reason for the process. If if people are marrying each other, then why do we have to get involved?
1: Uh, the reason we get involved is we're witnesses. Part essential part of the marriage isn't just that people are, are taking vows to each other, they have to be witnessed. Marriage by definition is a public statement. Mm -hmm. And so there have to be witnesses. And so the job of the efficient, efficient of a wedding is to be the church's witness and, and also to give the church's blessing. So that's what we're doing out there and being the witness being saying, this is what it appears to be. This really is, this is actually happening. There is a true exchange of these vows, a free exchange of consent. That's our job is to bear witness to that. So we have to have some what we call due diligence. We have to make sure that we can say that meaningfully. How do we know that this is what it appears to be, that people truly know what they're getting into and have made that decision and we can witness to that?
0: I see. So it's really about the church uh, advising the couple through the decision and us being able to say uh, to, to everyone and before God that, you know, yes, this is this is what it appears to be. This is a real marriage that we're performing here.
1: Now, let me explain something, what it's not is it's not the church's job to second-guess who you choose to marry. Matter of fact, in Roman Catholic canon law, uh, they actually formally say that there's a right to marry in the sense is that people can't choose your partner. The marriage preparation, you have a right to marry whom you want to marry, the, uh, assuming that they're capable of marriage. But the, the real question is informed consent. You know, we basically saying we want to make sure that you actually have all the information. You make the decision. But you have to have all the information, so it's an informed, free decision. I see so. So it is what. So it is.
0: our job is to help the couple come to a place where they're informed on all the things they need to be informed of before the the judgment is made.
1: Yeah, we could say, I don't know what you see in that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the point. But the <laughs> fact is,
1: we're, we're not, yeah, yeah, they're not marrying him. Uh, but the point is, we could say, but as long as you see and know all those things, and you, this is the choice you're making, well, that's the real issue is to make sure it is what it appears to be, that you really know what you need to know, and it's a free decision. Great.
0: Well, I, you know, I'm sure every diocese has their own process, but we're really going to be speaking out of our own Diocese of the Upper Midwest uh, customary um, but we're, you know, in the ACNA, we all require some form of premarital process, right? So, so yes,
1: that's a canonical requirement. C- canons mean, for those of of our listeners, is there are church laws, you know, so how uh, 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 oper- to tell us how to operate. And so, one of our canons in the church requires marriage preparation. We cannot marry someone who has not gone through a marriage preparation program.
0: Got it. Got it. Great. Well, let's talk about uh, what that process looks like. Um, so you, know, you, you, you sit down and, and what does it look like?
1: Well, first of all, it's not just a casual chat. There was a time where you might say, hey, you meet with the priest, have a chat one evening, you know, yeah. for an hour. If he likes
0: you. It's got,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's much more than that. So for example, I'm going to base it on what we do in our diocese, but the basic thing we're trying to accomplish, and I'll focus on that, is what we be true anywhere. The first thing is we want to make sure that people understand the three essential characteristics of marriage, that it's lifelong. By the way, that's a minority view in the current culture, meaning that we consider it being lifelong as not something that's to be desired. It's a fact. It is lifelong. So it's not like, ah, we'll try try to do the best we can. It's not an ideal. It's a fact Mm -hmm. to us. So people have to understand that this isn't just we'll give it a try. If it doesn't work out, we'll just try again. It's saying that you really look upon marriage as this is it. This is my marriage. It's exclusive. Some people now, in changing morality, believe that fidelity means you're the one I come home to. But you know, if occasionally something comes up, we understand those things happen. No, they don't. Yeah. Is its exclusive fidelity. And that it has to be open to children. It doesn't mean that uh, you have to come back from your your, your honeymoon pregnant, but it means <laughs> that you can't say, oh, we're going to get married, uh, but we never want to have yeah. kids. You know, one of the purpose of marriage is to be open to the possibility of having children at some time. So we want to make sure it's a program that that reflect our understanding that marriage is not. It's just not ideal would be nice if we're forever. It is forever. The idea that it's exclusive. This is not like I'll try to be most faithful. You'll be my best friend. I'll have other friends, but you'll be no, no. I'm. You know, we say forsaking all others, and then open to children that I'm saying that this is not just for us, you know, it's, it's open, open to life.
0: Okay. Okay. I see. So, um, so this is really, so, so what the process that we embark on is basically making sure that the, that the couple understands those three things about what they're, what they're entering into so there's no, there, there's not going to be a place where like the husband is like, Oh, well, I, I just kind of don't really want to have kids. Um, so we right. want to get that on the front end, basically. <laughs> you don't want to figure that out after the ceremony, uh, so that's why it's premarital. All
1: uh, right, it's 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 marriage preparation. Uh, it's 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 a marriage preparation. Uh, also, in our diocese, we require that it involve more than one person. It can't just be the priest. Uh, we like to use, for example, um, here at the cathedral, we uh, like to use marriage couples. You know, mentoring mm-hmm. couples. And again, we use materials. It's not just a matter of sitting around and sharing folk wisdom. It is we actually have there are a lot of good Christian programs that will systematically cover the ground that we can use to make sure we're not missing something. Got it. It's almost like you know, sort of like a packing list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to make sure we're not missing anything. Okay. And like you, you really hit put your finger on it before. One of the things that can surprise you. I have a friend who's a Roman Catholic priest. Who says, you know, sometimes when I've come to marriage counseling with people, I think I want to say, have you two met? <laughs> that it's amazing. People are talking about getting married, the things they have never discussed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most basic things like, you know, he said he would had a couple. He asked, you know, separately. That's one of the classic things. Hey, what do you think about kids? And one's like, I came from a big family. I'd love to have a lot of kids. Uh-huh. And the other guy said something I don't know, kids, if they happen, that'd be okay, but I wouldn't want many. You know, the fact that this had never been mentioned yeah. <laughs> on the front, this is the kind of thing you need to know going, uh, going in. So there are certain things, you know, it's like in contract law, if you're going to buy a house, you have a right to know if it has termites. You could decide to assume that you know that that thing, but you you have a right to know that there are certain things you need to know when you're making a decision. Right. We're we're not so we're not we,
0: uh, analogizing any one partner in a in a marriage to a, a, a house with with termites. Just to be clear, just just no, let's not take no. the analogy no, too far. But <laughs> I'm not talking about the person, but there are certain situations right. that could change in our a decision. Big decision. The question we
1: have in law, we talk about something as being material, and what that means. Material means it would make a difference to a decision. That's what material means, like material evidence. You know, it's a mater- I mean, it could really change something. Right. It's not just this would be nice. It really would change something. And so here are some things. For example, one thing we, we want to make sure we find out is about citizenship and legal residence status. Because we've actually, I've been involved. I've known um, a situation where somebody was married. Basically, it was a scam because somebody wanted to be in the country. They had no idea the person wasn't a legal yeah, resident. Like, a, they were like just, a green card marriage. Yeah, and then they dropped them. You know, they got in, they waited the time, and then they were surprised because they had no idea. Yeah. A criminal conviction. You know, that's a pretty serious thing. It doesn't mean you can't get married, but a person has the right to know that you've, um, you know, you, if you've been convicted, if you've done time, that's something that is something you don't break that on later right. on. You find somebody else who's a cellmate saying, like, oh, I was his cellmate. Yeah, yeah. People need to know that. A uh, prior mar- marital history. Have you been married before? Yeah, yeah. Uh, medical, medical history. Um, for example, that's a beautiful thing. You can say this person has a serious problem, but that's something we can't, I can't break it to you on, you know, when we come home from the honeymoon saying, oh, by the way, I have terminal cancer. Right, right. That's not You fair, certainly but... can marry a person, but I have a right to know these are the kind of things that would, that could potentially change my decision. I I want to be your friend, but I don't want to marry someone in the situation. Sure. Infertility. We can certainly marry someone who can't have children, but you can't have a 25 year old uh, woman finding out she's married to a guy who can't have children. Right when she didn't know that she said I, I wanted to have a family yeah. yeah she has a right to know now she could knowing that I love him that's fine a sexual history I know one case where somebody would actually live for somebody for a year and a half and had no idea that they had had an ongoing long-term sexual mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't get married but that's something don't you think somebody should know that this isn't your first time out so to speak in relationship yeah yeah, yeah. um Because you have some of the divorce type of issues. We've already had one relationship didn't work out. We want to make sure that uh, we can work that out. Same-sex attraction. Some men, uh, some women have struggled with same-sex attraction. And we certainly can have marriage. There is healing. But it's something a woman needs to know this is in the bargain, saying this is something your future husband has struggled with. And are you willing to take that? He thinks he's in a point where this isn't the case. He's had help and things. But that's something a person has a right to know on the front Mm -hmm. end. Yeah. Or, again, an unwillingness to have children, again, which in that case would—we couldn't do the marriage. That would not—so those are things we're just—and how we often do these. Um, uh, so we're we're just trying to make sure that we have all the relative facts are on the table
0: that we can have. Right. Again. And just to be clear—you said this, but just to be clear again, none of these are deal-breakers when it comes to the marriage. Oh, no, no. It's just things that both parties need to know to make an informed decision.
1: It's like as-is. You know, you can buy a car as-is. But, you know, you could say, hey, I know that it's probably going to need a new carburetor pretty soon or something. You're buying a used car. But, okay, I know right, that. Right. Or you have to tell somebody, for example, that a car has been in an accident even though it's been repaired. Yeah, it doesn't mean you don't want to buy the car, but a person has the right to know that, structurally speaking, the car will be a little right. different. Are you willing to take that? So different?
0: you have to, in a marriage, both parties have to know what they're in for, regardless of how they, how, of, of their devotion to that person. That, that They have to know what they're in for. Is that a, a good way of putting it? <laughs>
1: Yes, it's like our Lord saying, you know, what man builds a tower where he doesn't first of all figure out how much is going to be necessary? He counts the cost. And And
0: that can be a really, that can be a really beautiful thing too as well that, you know, even someone, when someone is completely informed about, you know, any of these matters and they go ahead and and decide to get married anyway, that can, that can be in in full knowledge, you know, that can be a really powerful statement of, of one's love for someone else.
1: Right, and exactly the opposite will happen. Sometimes people would have gladly said, "Of course, I want this." Feel betrayed, like you tricked them to have it after the fact. Right? It's funny, you know. I, I I'm a CPA, and because I, I was in business, you know, I, as a, as an accountant and things for 35 years in that in that field, and we had a saying that's a pretty good one. It said, uh, what do you do with bad news?" It says, "If you t- if you if you tell." people before they find out if you tell somebody that's an explanation if you tell them after they find out it's an excuse
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah <there you> go.
1: <laughs> that's really valuable i would tell people for example they as their accountant i would say look uh we have some bad news coming here i think you need to get out ahead of right. this and tell people if they're going to find out the financial statements are coming out if you wait until they find out it'll be an excuse if you tell them on the front end it'll be an explanation right. you want to get out front so it
0: really okay. does matter <laughs> that these things are disclosed before the fact not after
1: yeah we have a right to, to know what we're, what we're getting
0: it to. great um, great so we have to do due diligence in that way and and that's what the church comes mm-hmm. alongside the couple to, to do.
1: another type of due diligence is this is about is is true consent. Are people really doing this voluntarily so we have to one thing we worry about is for example, what if, especially with good Christian uh, Christians and things who make mistakes if somebody's pregnant, sometimes they might be under the false impression, well, that means the right thing to do is to get married. Yes.
0: Yeah, I've, I've definitely... That's not true. Yeah. That is
1: not true. And so sometimes people say, I guess I don't really have much option. I'll be disgraced in front of the church if people find out this is all I can do. That's not a basis for a marriage. And so it doesn't mean someone who's gotten pregnant can't say, we really do love each other. We should get married. Mm-hmm. But it can't be because of the pregnancy. It, it, we can't make sure that that's not driving it, that this is sort of an involuntary
0: yeah 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 that, that makes complete sense so what are what, what what are the sorts of things that are we need to do due diligence on that level for
1: uh Premarital intimacy again, if somebody has been sexually active uh, it's uh, you know it's it, it's important that we uh, with this person I mm-hmm. saying. you know sometimes people feel we have been having sex the only way to make it right yeah. is to get married they're not pregnant but they feel the only way to make it right. No, that's not true. <laughs> Someone who feels like, look, I've got to stay in this country. Uh, I'm going to try the best I can to love her or something, but I've got to stay here. This is really important for me. Or need for housing or financial support. Mm -hmm. Look, I need a place to live and things. Uh, You know, uh, he will do or she will do. And so that's not a basis for marriage. Yeah. So we have to make sure these things are not the primary motivation, saying that you're a solution to a near-term problem. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah, I, I, I can see how those kinds of circumstances could, you know, they, they really can kind of overwhelm judgment, you know. Uh, uh, so, in a way, are you saying, Father Stephen, that really the church's job is to draw the couple's attention to the marriage? That in the midst of all these circumstances in life, there's still there, there is this thing, this marriage, this contract that is apart from all of this that we're entering into, and we need to, we need to let the that decision stand alone in a way from our circumstances.
1: It's like this. I tell people when I, again, from my business background, when I mentor people on on our business careers is saying, we, we don't leave jobs. We go to jobs. You know, we should be, have a forward looking notion. We shouldn't be, Oh, I don't like this. I'll, you know, no, we should always be looking forward to going to the next place. We should be looking forward, not backward. And so it seems to me that marriage is not some, is not as, or like this, you know, it's funny. (laughs) <laughs> don't take this wrong, but when we talk about mental health counseling with people sometimes we're talking about doing serious things to harm themselves. Mm-hmm. The classic thing you say to somebody is you don 't want a permanent solution to a temporary problem right right
0: right yeah so <laughs> that 's the
1: standard so you don 't want it this is a permanent solution to a temporary problem you know so this is not the way out of of, a, of an unwanted pregnancy. this is not the way out of gee i've got i 've done things i shouldn't have done this is not the way what am I going to do to where am I going to live next right. month this is too big an answer. This is really, um, this is not an appropriate answer to those things.
0: So we talked in our earlier episode as well about how important it was to have uh, psychological readiness that everyone, both parties need to be in their right mind in order to make this decision. So how do we go into determining that?
1: Well, psychological readiness, we have some wonderful um, psych profiles that people do as part of marriage preparation, but some things we are looking for is, for example, pornography now has become a real problem, and it can be to the point where untreated addic- addiction—I don't mean casual use of pornography, which is wrong—but yeah. there are some people for whom this truly will 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 make it very difficult to have a normal marital intimate mm-hmm. life. If people don't realize this. It's not like, oh, gee, once I have a, a, a quote regular out, outlet, it doesn't work that right. way. And so we have to say, you know, somebody really is deep into this, you know, is addicted to, to pornography. We have to make sure before they get into a marriage that we've dealt with this problem. Yeah. yeah. Marriage will not solve this problem. Uh, also, we have the untreated after effects of sexual abuse or sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes saying this is not the way to enter into a marriage, you know, being intimate with somebody when we have some serious barriers against intimacy, understandable barriers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That can, that can definitely, the, the after effects of that can really be prevalent for sure.
1: Oh yes. Untreated drug abuse, uh, can be a, can be a problem, you know, the, about the a person's ability to make big life decisions. It's you not know, in big things in our lives. We're told, for example, if you get a really bad medical diagnosis. Um, I like this the tumor talk. Is the first thing your doctor is going to tell you is don't make any big decisions. Don't quit your job. Uh, okay. Yeah. They'll <laughs> no, go. Gr- yeah. This is not a good time. And so the idea here is when we have something like untreated drug abuse, this is not the time to decide whom I can spend the rest of my life with. Right. Right. We have to really get this solved. This is, we are not in a position to make that kind of decision. I see. And untreated serious mental illness. Uh, you know, some people have serious uh, bipolar, these kind of things that we need to get into control before we're in a position to make this kind of we want to make sure people are really making a decision.
0: Right. So just to be clear, all of the, none of this is like, are you good enough for getting married? Oh, no, not at all. It's it's more like, are you are both parties entering into this with all of the information that they need and in a state where they're capable of making that decision?
1: Right. Those are the essential things. And also, what we do as part of this process is we often ask certain questions separately so we can, uh, with compatibility. Because again, often people haven't talked about, like money. It's going to happen the very day after you get back from, how are you going to handle your money? You're going to have multiple checking accounts. Where do you go on Christmas? Things like this can be very helpful in the front sure. end because it's not so much the answer is the question of how do you go out solving that.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. How do you work together on these things and and yeah, that some of my some of the best parts of my premarital uh counseling that uh, a priest did with me had to do with money. Uh we just didn't talk about it, yeah. you know. <laughs> we didn't really think but um, you know, he was very clear He's like no, well, listen, you you I I you know, I really think you should share a checking account. You know, um, he definitely separated his own personal advice from the process, but, uh, it was just a really, really helpful thing for, for decisions that we just, as a dating couple did not really come up. Um, so yeah, it can be really helpful in that way.
1: Those are great. I've done this with uh, a number of couples, of course, as a priest and almost always they find something wonderful. You know, they find something that, uh, that say, hey, I, we never talked about this. This would be a great time to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, and they're very, and they can actually solve this together where they're not in the same place. You have the scale and saying they're coming from very different places about you know what their life's going to look like together. And this is something the very process of looking, hey, we're coming from different. What do we do about that? Can show, hey, we work. We're great at working things out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically, we're we're the the process is about the church being able to witness the fact that what is happening is is truly what it appears to be a Christian marriage um, and, right and having a reasonable basis to do so um, but yeah right. you know I think that sometimes it, it can w- without understanding that it can seem kind of intimidating all the you know these sort of this line of questioning so just to be clear it's not about who's good enough to get get married it's 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 about the nature of the decision. And also,
1: I would say, Alex, uh, I use this analogy in one of our other episodes, or it's a story about a guy who, um, who I knew that uh, had from another generation, my parents' generation, who had trained people going into the Second World War towards the end of the war. You know, they're getting every every able-bodied man was being sent abroad, and he said, you know, I'd always done boot camp. He said, you know, that's what I did. I trained people boot camp, but he said it was really different knowing these people are going to combat right away. This was not theoretical that, you know, here you're sold, you have to learn these things. But people, your life is going to be online nearer line sooner rather it than later. It really render. gets you down to and, what's important. <laughs> and what's really important here is I'm an old man. I've got to tell you, when I was younger, all of society supported marriage. I mean, people, the act, when people started having trouble with a marriage, the first act, how can we help? You know, how can we help? Now people say, hey, do- drop the bomb. Yeah, you know, you've grown out of this. Better society is giving all the wrong answers, and so it's really harder than ever because rather than reinforcing the right thing, it's like we find the same thing with making medical decisions. I've been at the hospital uh, with uh, Doctor Death; they're telling people basically to kill the person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how they put it. We'll just we'll just dehydrate them. You know well, Excuse me. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So the they they use nice words so around it. So the, yeah.
0: the, the the broader society is not seeing the marriage as something that's worth preserving. Uh,
1: yeah, the, the trouble of society now is, as a false teaching, when I was young, everyone assumed that marriage was forever. And we consider divorce a tragic, tragic uh, thing that could happen to some people, understandably. However, now we look a, upon basically marriage as just a, essentially like a lease. You know, it might go on indefinitely, but, you know, if you find a better place. Sure, sure. <laughs> You're out of here. You take the better place, and so we have to make sure that Christian marriage isn't like that. That we have to basically train it. This is not how we see marriage. This is not what Christian marriage is sure. about. Sure. Yeah. So it's not all And the, the
0: so the 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 process in your diocese, the way to look at it is that you know this is taking your vows very seriously as something that is forever and really honoring the decision that you're making as a real uh, a real decision. Well, thanks, Father Stephen. Uh, any, anything else you have for us on preparation for Christian marriage? Maybe advice for some couples going into it? Yeah, I, people
1: often ask you, you know, is there one thing you tell people? And here's what I tell people uh, that has nothing to do with this, but to always tell people in marriage prep. I've sometimes had to do it on the other end where people haven't followed this uh, advice <laughs> okay. to know about it. Is as you know, it's like this it is one of the troubles that uh, goes wrong with marriages is is that. When you come home at night, and often both, both, both partners work, etc., or if they don't, either they're, they're overwhelmed. Society's pretty tough on people now getting by. And when you come home from work, especially if both people are working, you come home and you, you have to put up with a lot in the workforce, right? You have the things you can't say, the boss, this kind of thing. You come home and you want, here's a place where you can safely unload. Dumping. But what happens in the course of a marriage is two things often can happen if you don't take steps differently. Is you'll find out that all you do when you come home at night is dump. All the fun stuff is happening at the office when you talk about people, the things you love and like. You're talking there, but at home is the place where all you do is dump, so your home becomes a toxic dump. <laughs> it's like a dog who's been hit is, even if you want to pet him, he starts to cringe back thinking you're going to hit me. Is You almost dread seeing your partner because all they ever bring you is this bad stuff. It's like those phone calls when you look at your cell phone and you say, oh no.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Not, co- not, not Cousin Bill. Right, you know, right, right. He's going to be whining. And so I said, the very important thing is you don't, you, you don't, how do you deal with that is I, on the other end, I've talked about couples break, you know, having really hard times. I said, what do you, I, I remember one couple, it was really bad and I, I it, it, it came up, it just came to me, it's sort of a funny thing, but they, they understood it was the right moment saying, Hey, you guys used to like each other. Uh, what do you like to do? And they said, well, uh, we used to do, this sounds funny. We used to go to a movie, we do this and thing. well, why don't you do that anymore? They said, Well, we have all these important things we have to do. We've been doing it with the kids and the work, etc. And I said, So there's something more important than being happy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that your story? And so, you know, we have to make we have to make and I said this is really I said, I'll tell the guy, I said, It's your job to be sort of I, I compare it to being a cruise director for fun in your marriage. Mm. Uh <laughs> is it's really important. To be intentional about this. So often marriage can become a burden because all the fun stuff we look for elsewhere in our marriage is just where really do the stuff that has to get done. So we turn something of beauty and joy into something that's yeah. a burden. And we have to be intentional about it. there needs to be a time. There needs to be a time for just doing things we like. Yeah. yeah. We, need, we can't. And that's one of the things we do as married people. And never to forget that—that's our sacred duty. Don't say, "Well, we will—we'll try to have fun with each other if we have nothing better sure. to do." That'll never happen.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's that's. I think that's that's really wise. Um, my my dad actually also he runs a, a a ministry for husbands actually called Ringleaders, and that's one of his primary modes of advice is that it's very easy, especially for men, to uh, forget to be intentional about about those sorts of things, but that it's it's really vital to, to keeping a marriage, um, you know, happy and, and, and healthy. So yeah, well, great. Thanks, Father Stephen. Uh, thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again in a week for more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.